The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. Follow up today is with my friend Casey, who is a case manager in a special education department and is also an SAT proctor. So, as Operation Varsity Blues makes headlines, I thought she'd be an appropriate guest today. Casey, what was your reaction when this scandal, the the largest college admissions scandal, broke? Well, I mean, first of all, Aunt Becky, I, I, I really struggled with that. I mean, and Aunt Becky, Becky just is, blues it. yeah, it was a lot. The moral compass of like all that's right with the world. So after taking a breath and thinking about that, I definitely reflected on my own practice and um, really was not surprised that this happened. Um, I'm surprised that people are reacting so shocked by that this is happening because obviously we know that this happens legally in a lot of ways, but not surprised that this happened, but surprised that to this level and this amount of money, I guess. Had you ever heard of anything like this happening before? Um, not to this extent, but you hear people make donations to buildings well, sure. and, um, and, you know, you always hear, obviously working in schools, you hear stories about people getting certain accommodations, but not to this extent. And I have never heard somebody taking the test for other people, you know, paying them to take it through the school, which I've never heard of. But the actual act of parents doing whatever it takes to get their kids into college is certainly not a new uh, novel idea, but more to this magnitude, I guess. How does it work when a student walks through the door to take the SATs? It, it, it happens a bunch of different ways. So it where I live, the SAT is actually a state-mandated test. So every junior will be taking the SAT in actually two weeks, and they take it at school. So we don't necessarily have to deal with the national testing sites rules since we know the students. There are students. We um, don't necessarily need to, like, double-check IDs. Um, my job, I actually test for students who need more than just the standard extra time who might need testing over multiple days or testing with a computer. So I test individual students. So that's what the testing that Felicity Huffman paid for somebody to take. They call it like special testing. Um, And it's a lot of responsibility because I'm with one or two students, typically myself and maybe one other person. And I handle all the materials and I pack everything up and I send everything back. So there's really not a lot of hands on it, but mine. Um, So when I read the Felicity Huffman situation, it definitely hit me close to home because that's what I do. Um, I'm not sure how she got away with the school not using their proctors at school. Um, But I guess if you pay enough money, then that's what is allowed to happen. So the students that you deal with that need extra time, you know them personally? Yes, I I actually have been asked in the past, College Board has called and asked if we'd be willing to test um, students who need accommodations from other neighboring schools um, who don't have the resources. And I've actually said no, because I'm not necessarily comfortable testing students that I don't know. Um, it, it's just a lot easier to deal with 
familiarity and I, you know I just you never know what happens and these tests are so important for the students that I just wouldn't want to have something that I wouldn't know and I'm pretty familiar with the students who have the accommodations since it's also my job to apply for them so I know what I'm asking for. So how does that application process work? So the application process works, um, so you have two different testing companies. You have the ACT and College Board, and College Board falls under like an AP exam, the PSAT, and the SAT. So what I do is all my students who have formalized educational plans at school, I apply for their accommodations, whatever those plans are asking for, and then College Board and ACT have their own um, reviewing process. And I always tell families it's a private company. They make their own decisions. Um, so it's a pretty standard process. You just upload any sort of documentation. They might ask for additional resources, maybe like um, teacher surveys to see if the students actually need those. And then they make a decision based on that. And then the parents and myself get uh, a letter that explains what they're getting and how does that work. So it's a pretty standard process. Have you ever been put in a spot to help out a kid who didn't actually need the extra time? So, um, yes, often. Oh. Um, I, I definitely have had um, situations where I'm not necessarily comfortable with what the recommendations are from an outside source. So, like, if a psychiatrist or a therapist or somebody makes a recommendation and we have a plan on file, I don't necessarily go against that because um, that's not my place to question that. Um, but I have had parents who have asked for me to apply for accommodations for their students when they don't have them at school. Hmm. So, it's uh, the question is, if they don't need it in school, why would they need it? in for the test but college board is pretty good about they say you can apply for whoever you want but that doesn't mean they'll get it so they the 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 method for me is i send my my requests in and then they make their own decisions have the number of those requests gone up in recent years oh yeah <laughs> i would say um, there's more and more requests for accommodations. Again, I've been doing this now for nine years. I'd say um, the amount has definitely, uh, I, I would say, increased significantly, um, which goes along with the college admissions process getting harder and harder each year. So I think people want to do whatever they can in order to have a leg up. This is a larger issue, but I think it speaks to, like, the inequities in education because we look at who's able to get those resources to find somebody from outside of the school to provide that type of diagnosis, and the students who are able to have that are typically families who have financial means, which is part of this whole college scandal speaks to a larger issue of inequity among the whole college process. So then, Casey, is that then forcing schools to look at themselves to try to be a solution, to try to figure out a way to be part of this solution? Absolutely. I mean, I think most schools are having these conversations. Um, I would imagine most high schools are having these conversations, um, especially when you have diversity among your students. Um, you know, we, pro we try to provide equal opportunity for all of our kids, but you're always going to have families it's just like in any other you know in sports having private coaches 
um, the families that are able to provide the private tutoring and the private college counseling, um, whatever they can. So we try our best to do um, to provide opportunities for all of our students to have as much access. But it, it, unfortunately, the world we live in right now, there's things that are out of our control that happen outside of the school. When you see kids walk through the doors to take the SATs, the ones that you're proctoring, do you flash back to being that kid yourself? Well, I actually, I tell the students all the time, I took the ACT four times. <laughs> My mom insisted upon it. I took it as a sophomore, um, which is unheard of now. And I took it three times as a junior. And I finally, the last time I walked into the um, testing center, which I think was at my high school, the proctor was like, you again? I said it to my mom, I'm done. This is my score. I am going to college. Like, this is, I'm done. So I do, I have major flashbacks. Um, I also laugh when the students ask me if I change answers for them. And I tell them frequently that I do not think they'd want me to be the person to change answers since I did not do very well on my standardized tests. But that is a question that I have been asked multiple times from students that if I've ever looked back and changed an answer for a student. And I can honestly say, and you are my witness, I've never done that before, nor would I. (laughs) Of course not. What do the college counselors tell you about the cost of college? And I ask this because I've had this conversation with my friends a lot about when will schools just price themselves out eventually, where it's cost of attendance is just too high. I looked the other day. I mean, it, it's a for, it's a, a unbelievable. I, I think about, you know, you and I weren't in college that long ago, and I look at what college costs now, and it's almost like triple I think I saw somewhere like one of the Ivies was like $65,000 a year or something like that. It's just insane. Um, I, I don't know. I really don't. We talk a lot at school about um, scholarship opportunities, and we encourage our students to do as much opportunity to get scholarships um, that help. And then obviously there's financial aid packages, and a lot of schools do merit-based aid and have lots of endowment for um, that they can provide for students. Um, cause it's certainly, we want it to be accessible for everybody, but it, it, this, the price and the cost of college now is just astronomical. I, I we just can't believe oh, yeah. that that's where it's going. Oh, it's wild. But as long as someone's going to pay it. Right. And figure that out. But again, it, I have not heard. And again, I don't necessarily work with the college counselors that closely, but I haven't heard many situations that students have not been able to go. Um, I know our counselors do a really good job of um, matching students with schools that are um, will potentially give money or that they'd be able to provide financial aid to make up for whatever they're not able to pay for. Casey, this was really interesting. I appreciate the time. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. I hadn't talked to Casey in a long time. Another member of that Israel trip back in 98, like Dan knew a few episodes ago. So it was nice to catch up with her a little bit and get a glimpse of her world. A quick note on college. I think the alumni network of where you go to school does matter, but even more so, I think it's what you make of any opportunity you have there, whether it's presented to you or you carve it out yourself, no matter where you are, that matters most. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Click that five-star rating and leave a quick review also, and do it on your friends' phones too, seriously. Or if you're looking for a pickup line in a bar, 
do people still talk to each other in bars? I don't know. But try, hey, do you listen to the follow-up podcast? Listen to the one with fill in the blank. Here's my number. Text me your thoughts and let's get coffee and talk about it. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Mm-hmm.